Breathe in us, O Holy Spirit, that all our thoughts may be holy. Act in us, O Holy Spirit, that all our work too may be holy. Draw our hearts, O Holy Spirit, that we love but what is holy. Strengthen us, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard us then, O Holy Spirit, that we always may be holy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father Benedict Grishel said one time memorably, in my hearing, I'm sure he said it many times, that when you close your eyes and pray to our Lord Jesus, if you do not have an image of his face in your mind, you do not have a prayer life. Apparently at that time, as a high schooler, I didn't have a prayer life. I would add, as I did yesterday at the morning school mass, if you find yourself before our Lord crucified on Good Friday and are not sad, then it hasn't been a good Lent. When we spend time regularly with our Lord, and present ourselves to him and behold him as he presents himself. He changes us. He brings us to love him. He brings us to want to become like him. Not only because we want to please him, but because he is beautiful, he is love, he is good, because he and the Father are one. As you know, it was mentioned before the beginning of Mass, like the principal Mass of the Sunday, this Mass is offered for all the people of the parish, for the souls of all those who live in our parish boundaries, and all who are affiliated with this parish family. In the last 24 hours, a three-year process of knocking on every door that isn't otherwise barricaded throughout every neighborhood and every street of the parish was completed. 30,000 souls, 15,000 homes, And so what begins again in earnest, especially come this next Pentecost, is starting over again. When we pray for all the souls of the parish, for all the parishioners, it's for all of those people and more. 
And so this mass, incumbent upon the pastor to offer it pro popolo for all the people, means that I'm somehow keeping 30,000 plus souls in my mind when I'm at the altar. I have to admit, sometimes there are some people who are especially on my mind. It could be those people who have just lost a loved one. Or those people who have newly arrived. Or those people who are newly in a crisis. Or now have something to celebrate. And naturally, on this evening of our Mass of the Lord's Supper, the people who are on my mind especially are all of our servers. What I would like to suggest is that not only does time spent with our Lord cause us to love him and to want to be like him, time spent with our Lord in prayer puts in our heart a desire to serve him, to be of service to him to be useful. What's true for all of us, and I say this with admiration more so than with concern, that as young people, if we have a prayer life, if we have an interior life, if there's something intellectual to it and we know about our Lord, if we have a liturgical life and our, our life is punctuated by the sacraments, especially by the Holy Mass, when we have a penitential life that's voluntary, at some point in our childhood, while we're still at home, it will be natural for every young girl and every young boy to think at some point, maybe I have a religious vocation. Because there's a moment when I'm attracted to it. On a, on a normal day, in a normal circumstance, I think about getting married, I think about having kids. But it's maybe especially in moments of prayer, perhaps especially in moments of adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, that every young person with a real prayer life will think for a moment, maybe this is how I'll spend my life. Now, it doesn't mean that's certainly what's going to happen. But I suggest it as another barometer. If, as a young person, it has never occurred to you that maybe serving our Lord exclusively is a possibility, even a desirable possibility. I don't know that there's a prayer life happening. There may be. I, I won't speak in an absolute confidence. But in my experience, the young person still at home who has a real prayer life and a real penitential life 
will have that thought visit them. That's a good sign. And as I said before, it doesn't mean that you certainly have a vocation. But it does mean that you love the Lord very much. And hopefully that thought, and especially as your thoughts return to your more natural desires for marriage and family, will leave you confident that you will do whatever the Lord asks you to do. You will do whatever whatever love of God requires of you. Now, for the young person who's not young anymore, who's no longer at home with mom and dad, where life is now your own, if that young man, who's, if he still has a real interior life, and if he still has a real intellectual life and a real penitential life and a liturgical life, so not the average young man who's graduated from college, if he still has these thoughts visiting him, that being a priest might be what God wants for me. That being a priest may still be something that I might want to do. Then I would encourage that man to begin the process to go into the seminary. Some of our favorite priests entered the seminary not because they were certain they were supposed to be a priest, but because they hadn't been able to rule it out. There have been a few young men, and especially if they've graduated from an undergraduate education that involved a great deal of spiritual formation, especially if I already know something of them, and if they present to me their fiancé and want to begin marriage prep with me, I may very well ask them the question, tell me now, because I know you've had a prayer life. And I know that the thought has crossed your mind at least once. Tell me now and tell your bride-to-be why you have moral certainty that you are not supposed to be a priest. Because if you can't answer that question, you're wasting my time and you're wasting her time. Because the devil will use that against you and against your marriage. The young man who hasn't been able to put it to rest with, again, moral certainty, not absolute certainty, but with moral certainty, he knows, I am confident that the Lord has given me a great love for the priesthood and a great love for the Blessed Sacrament, but I am confident he is not asking me to be a priest. Unless he's come to that resolution, the devil will distract him and try to get him off track, and try to ruin his engagement. And even after marriage, will try to ruin his, his matrimonial life by getting him to think, you weren't, you're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be somewhere else. He has to be able to put that to rest, and occasionally he'll have to remind himself why that was put to rest. When I talked to the vocations director earlier today, and share with them these thoughts, he encouraged me to share them with you. If we, as Christians, grow in our prayer life and know our Lord because we know the sacred scriptures, 
and have a sacramental life and come and pray and worship the Lord even beyond the minimum and have a penitential life and seek to remove from our life anything that doesn't belong to God or even anything that's even good that hinders us from growing closer to God. All of us will love our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament and we will love the priesthood. All of us will. We might not like some priests, but we will love the priesthood. Some of us don't even like each other. <laughs> Present company accepted. In fact, you see the, the triumvirate, which will be the priest, deacon, and subdeacon for the solemn high mass on Easter Sunday. So we're here trying to steal ourselves. That natural affinity for our Lord, as he gives, us, gives himself to us in this miracle of the Blessed Sacrament, is something that will prompt in our heart love and gratitude. Awe and wonder at his, his incredible humility, even more beautiful than, than, than the most beautiful crash, which is simply wood. This is our real Lord. Body, blood, soul, and divinity presenting himself to us to be placed in our midst in the most fragile of forms. Almost in inviting to be ignored. But to, to those who do not ignore him, he will prompt the, the most incredible love and devotion. Beyond that natural affinity, that natural love and gratitude, for what our Lord instituted at the Last Supper and the Blessed Sacrament and the Holy Priesthood, some of our men will have a, a supernatural call to set aside everyone else and everything else, no matter how important, no matter how seemingly well-suited to them, and he will give them the desire to follow him. They won't possibly have moral certitude that they are supposed to be priests until maybe a few weeks or a few months before their ordination. From my experience and the experience of many, many a priest whom you know, that turning point will happen precisely when he no longer is in the seminary because he wants to be. He no longer is preparing for the priesthood because he wants to be a priest. But he's willing to remain in the seminary even though it scares the daylights out of him. Because he knows God has asked him to give up his life. Our Lord speaks of the Last Supper as something to which he had looked forward. Long have I desired to share the supper with you. And it is true. Many beautiful and important things would happen. 
and the Last Supper didn't quite conclude, the fourth cup did not take place, they sang the Hillal, and across the Kidron Valley they walked, where our Lord would sweat tears, and he would cry to his Heavenly Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will be done. Every Christian will be called to lay down his life, her life, for Christ. In a, in a real way, we ought to already have died in baptism. Our life is already forfeit. It belongs to God. He has purchased it with his blood. But it is in very real and particular and specific ways. that our life will be entirely handed over to him. And so as much as I ask you to pray for your priests and for your seminarians and for your future seminarians, we all need to pray for each other. The Christian life begins with many consolations. And eventually becomes very difficult and almost unbearable. Every vocation begins with great desire and eventually will become almost too heavy a weight to carry. When our having been open to the love of God keeps us returning to him in prayer with a mind formed by the truth and a soul fed by the sacraments, and a body chastised by penance, the Lord will prevail through us. And so we ask him to overwhelm us with his love. The Blessed Virgin Mary can teach us what this means to give us a real prayer life to know his face. To break our spirits that we may weep with him tomorrow. To make us so aware of his presence in the blessed sacrament that we love him. And we love the means by which he has chosen to come into the world and remain with us forever. And we pray that he may actually make us like himself. And so we ask him, soul of Christ, sanctify us. Body of Christ, save us. Blood of Christ, inebriate us. Water from the side of Christ, wash us. Passion of Christ, strengthen us. O oh, good Jesus, hear us. Within thy wounds, hide us. Suffer us not to be separated from thee, from the malicious enemy, defend us. The hour of our death, call us and bid us come unto thee, that with thy saints we may praise thee forever. Amen.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.